It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I am your host, Brett Whitefield, with my usual co-host, Stephen O'Rourke, and today we have another amazing guest for Guest Friday. Please welcome to the show, Fantasy Points' own Joe Dolan. What's up, my man? Yo, Brett. Yo, Steve. What's going on? It's good to be with you guys. I've been a fan of the podcast ever since you started recording it. Brett, you you asked me at like 7.30 this morning, do you want to be on? And I'm like, what else am I doing? Yeah, of course. Especially when you said we're going to talk talk birds. I feel like I can BS about them for a half an hour pretty easily. Uh, it's great to be with you guys. Um O'Rourke, it's good to see your smiling face. I haven't seen it since Canton, so uh, I know. my friend. And my it's, friend, it's good to be. It, it's just good to be here. Glad to chop it up with you guys. Heck yeah, man! And for for the listeners who don't know, I, I don't know why you wouldn't know, but Joe is a, a founding member of the company here at Fantasy Points. He is, you know, one of the the many awesome decision makers we have at the top, and it's honestly a pleasure to have him. And I know we've been wanting to have this Eagles kind of team building discussion for a while as we've as we've kind of gone through these team building conversations and. Joe, I'd like to start by just asking you, why do people keep answering Howie Roseman's phone calls? <laughs> I, do, I don't know. I, I like, and especially something that includes like a future pick and you know, the, the Robert Quinn trade, let's put it that like the guy's an impending free agent and he's what 32, 33 years old. His production's been down this year, though. I think there's good reasons why for that. And the Bears are a team that, like, we're not winning games this year. We're not trying to win games this year. Let's just get some picks for the future. I, you know, I understand that from the Bears' perspective. But when it comes to, like, I I just keep going back to the Saints trade on on draft day. Now, look, Chris Olave, and I'll fully admit Chris Olave's outproduced my expectations for him. But right Mm. now, Chris Olave cost the Saints – two first round picks, including a top five draft pick. And I'm just not sure. I think Howie just takes advantage of people who are desperate. Like they're That's... desperate to make an impact. I, I just feel like Howie is just very attuned to, to reading when somebody is, is just in deal making mode. <laughs> Tennessee did not want to pay AJ Brown. Well, Howie's like, all right, I'm not going to lowball you. I'm going to give you a first round pick for him, but you don't want to pay him. And we do. So we'll, we'll make that decision for you. I don't know. He's just really good at that. And I have to admit, like I completely had lost faith in Roseman um, as, as Philadelphia's relationship with Howie Roseman is very complicated. Um, uh, <laughs> but like when he made the Jalen hurts pick, it was, one of those things where I'm like, oh god, this is uh, th- we'll talk about a galaxy brain move. And oh no, <laughs> it turns out it was maybe one of the single smartest draft picks we've seen in the last like five years, if not more than that. And so, uh, props off to Howie, man. I just, if I'm a general manager, I don't know why I pick up the phone. I think it's, I think general managers know how he's willing to make a deal, which is, which yeah. if you're desperate, you know he's gonna he's gonna give you what you want. Yeah. For sure. One of the things, well, actually, you have a couple points I want to piggyback on. The the losing faith in Howie thing is so true, man. When I, I remember talking to Chris Wecht a couple of years ago, 
saying, you know what? I think when Joe Douglas left for the Jets, it broke Howie's brain because it seemed like he wasn't making as many good moves. And then all of a sudden, he just flipped the switch back on, and he's like back in the driver's seat going full force. Um, but, man, the, the desperation thing is so crucial to what he does. I think that's so true. I mean, the Bears trade with that they made with Robert Quinn, it's just – it's incredible because – he only gave up a fourth round pick for a guy that can probably really help this franchise in what looks like a title contention year. And they convinced them to eat all of the cost. And I don't know if you saw Schefter's tweet this morning, you know, Quinn actually had two more years on that deal of a pretty hefty salary. And they, they got the bears to agree to basically eat those years too. And they, they actually removed them from his contract. So they wow. don't, they, yeah. So they, they have no strings attached to this guy who is probably a little overpaid, but could help them. And they, got, the only thing it costs them is $700,000 and a fourth round pick. It, I mean, it's, it's genius roster building. And a fourth round pick, by the way, that they're going to easily recoup value when they inevitably trade down with the saints pick. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, like, which is like, so I, I put this tweet out there um, the other day and I said, how much you want to bet? Howie Roseman makes two first round picks this year and still is able to kick one down the road to next year in a trade with a desperate team. Like, yep. you know, they like, let's just, if the same season, best case scenario for the Eagles is it goes completely sideways. Like I saw Aaron shots of football outsiders, like running simulations, you know, for the rest of the season, he said in <laughs> one out of every hundred simulations that football outsiders runs, the Eagles win the Super Bowl and get the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Oh my God. That's, Both that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I mean, has that ever happened before? I, oh God, I, don't I was so. just about to ask that. And I like the, the minute I thought that I was like, there's no way because hot, like, I mean, so, we, I feel like we haven't seen this minute this much like draft pick movement. Yeah. I, like until of late, really. When, um, when the 49ers drafted Jerry Rice, um, I feel like they had a pretty high draft pick in that year. Um, so, and actually, they picked 16th, despite, I believe, coming off a Super Bowl uh, championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, they did some trading up. And that's the only thing I can even, like, remember coming close. I, Dallas traded up to get Russell Maryland at first overall, but I don't think they were coming off the Super Bowl at the time. Um, when, when that happened, as a matter of fact, matter yeah. of fact that might've come on the heels of the one in 15 season. No, I, I have to imagine winning the Super Bowl and picking first in the draft has never happened. Um, I mean, winning, I, this, I, I, winning I, the Super Bowl and going top 10 is crazy. Yeah. I can't even I mean, think of an I example of that. <laughs> Howie also, here's the other thing with the saints guys. Howie also, I think saw Mickey Loomis and, and correctly evaluated the saints saying like, this team's not that good. Like they think they're better than they are. Ergo, they think they're giving me a pick in the twenties, which by the way, I'll take, you know, if that's what happens, that's what happens. But I think this is a deal I really want to make because I believe this could be a really good draft pick. I think he just, he like Mickey Loomis going with this kind of weird all in move when you don't have Joe Brees and you just lost Sean Payton. That was just Howie Roseman saying like, what are the ways this can really work out for us? And he's just really good at that. And just taking advantage of frankly, delusional people like Mickey Loomis (laughs) and, and Loomis, Loomis is a victim of his own success because a lot of this all in stuff has worked for them. 
but it worked for them in large True, part right. because they had Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and they don't have those right. right. Something I, I compiled a list of all like the the trades they've made, not all of them, but a good amount of them the last few years, and so two things really dramatically stick out to me. I'm going to read you a list of players, and you guys try to tell me what they have in common. Yeah. Some of these trades are small, small time trades, by the way, but there's a there's an overwhelming theme I want to get to. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Ugo Amadi, Kerry Vincent Jr., Tay Gowan, Josiah Scott, Darius Slay. They're all what are they all in common? Backs. They're, They're all defensive backs. Yeah. yeah. Corner back play in the NFL is so vastly important. And it's so underrated by most NFL teams. And I know the Eagles have one of the best analytics departments in the league. There is no doubt they're telling Howie, if we don't like the cute, the, the cornerbacks that we have, we have to go out and acquire new ones. And even though uh, the Kerry Vincent trade, they gave up a six for Kerry Vincent. It didn't work. Who cares? They traded Ertz for Tay Gowan in a fifth. Who who cares? It didn't work. Who cares? But they're constantly overturning that roster, trying to find CB play. And guess what? They ended up getting Darius Slay, one of the best corner cornerbacks in the league for a third and a fifth round pick. Again, trading with a team that was desperate. Um, and then Chauncey Gunner Johnson this year, one of the best slot corner safety hybrid combos in the league. They get him for a fifth and a 2024 sixth. Like uh, it's mean- ridiculous. I remember when this when that trade went down. I went over to Saints Reddit before like the compensation was out, and they're like, "Oh, we're getting our yeah. one back. <laughs> like, like yeah. we're gonna get the yeah, one right. back." You know. Um, so here's the interesting thing about the Eagles' defensive backs, and you know, I think Howie's been knocked for having an ego, and maybe at one point he did. I, I mean, I think to be in this business, you gotta have an ego, like right. Um, but like, look at their look at their starting secondary. Okay. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Marcus Epps, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Avante Maddox are their top five defensive backs. The Eagles drafted one of those guys. Right. Maddox is the only homegrown corner or or defensive defensive back in their starting lineup. Now, Kavon, they drafted Kavon Wallace as a special team, but, but like, all right. We messed this up. Instead of waiting until next year and drafting a first-round corner who might not work out, and if he works out, it might take a year or two for him to work out, we're just going to go we're yep. just gonna go trade for Darius Slay. We're going to sign James Bradbury. And the other thing about Howie, too, and there's a lot of luck involved in this, right? The Eagles had to trade to – Darius Slay was their backup plan. They wanted yeah, to sign true. Byron Jones. That's right. Right. You got lucky there, right? Right. AJ Brown was like their 12th backup plan at wide receiver. They wanted to they wanted to sign Allen Robinson. I have it on good authority. They thought they signed Allen Robinson. Oh wow. That would wow. have been terrible. So yeah, right. Like you so like you also like there's luck involved in all this, but it's also like Oh, we missed our window. Can't now. We're just gonna no, no, no. The thing is, Howie Howie Roseman never sits on his laurels, and I really respect that about him. Like you said, Brett, not everything works out. But you trade a you trade a six round pick. They traded a six round pick for Josiah Scott. Okay, now to, to Eagle fans, that's not that's not a big deal, and it probably isn't. But Avante Maddox missed two, missed two games, and Josiah Scott played pretty good in those two yep. games. So you know, and he's a core special teamer for you guys. Exactly. So you. So you look at that and just say, like, it's possible without Josiah Scott playing solid defense, you know, maybe against Christian Kirk in the Jacksonville game or, like, making a solid play against Rondale Moore in the Arizona game, the Eagles have lost a game. So that's picking up a win on the margins with a six-round pick. 
and that's and and that's the thing is it's not like it's not like Howie Roseman is taking these huge like swing for the fences. They're like lo- they're just like value plays. Like anybody could it's have money had, ball. Like anybody could add James Bradbury. Bradbury. It's not like they signed him to this monumental contract. Like he was there for right. anyone. The Eagles came in and got him at a pretty good rate. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Like it's not like they gave up a ton. And in the end, this is like it's working because I, I, Brett, I told you that I told you this yesterday, Joe. That I think you'll like this one. The Eagles have played man coverage on thirty percent of dropbacks. It is easier on just like a per attempt basis. It's easier to run the ball against every NFL defense than it is to pass the ball against the Philadelphia Eagles man coverage. They're giving up 3.3 yards per attempt on a 6.8 a dot when playing that man is, coverage. That's insane. That is, oh, that's man. actually insane. That's like, one of the craziest stats I've heard this year. They are giving up 46% completion percentage, 3.3 yards per attempt on a 6.8 a dot. Yeah, I mean, so my my question then becomes, why don't you just play man cover more? <laughs> like, I, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, like I I know, like there's a there's a give and a take here, right? Like, right. Um, but like I mean, the Eagles. This is secondary had been a big bugaboo for them, like prior to the slate trade, and sometimes even after the slate trade, because they're they're rolling out guys who, you know, Stephen Nelson, you know, who's an NFL corner, <laughs> but. You know, like yeah. it, I, the Bradbury thing, and that 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 comes to, to to another thing with the luck part. Or what what's the what's the adage? Luck is the result of good design, or you know something like that. Right. Like yep. James Bradbury could have signed with anybody, but he picked the Eagles. It wasn't like the Eagles were like, "Hey, James Bradbury's out there. He has to sign with us." You know, like James Bradbury, who was a free agent, who's been one of the best corners in the NFL this year. Could, James, James, there are 32 teams in the NFL James Bradbury can help. Yes. Absolutely. Like not a single team is going to turn down the services of James Bradbury the way he's playing this year, but he picked the Eagles. And I think that's a result of, hey, I see a good roster here. I see Darius Slay. I see leaders on this team. I'm going to pick this team. So, uh, yep. you know, luck is the element of design or whatever the, the adage is. I think Howie Roseman set himself up well in that regard, too. Heck, yeah. Another thing I love that Howie does, too, when he's making these trades is I think a lot of NFL teams have the tendency of of undervaluing those mid to late picks, and they'll just throw them away for nothing, and then they never try to recoup those. So even when he's making these deals where he's given up a sixth, He's also flipping a Joe Flacco for a sixth or a Zach Ertz for a fifth or Matt. He got a draft pick for Matt Pryor, guys. Like a guy who wasn't even going to make the team. He gets a draft pick for him. Also flipped a broken Carson Wentz for a first and a third. Like he's constantly adding more picks to the roster or to the, to the arsenal. So then he can either make selections with those or of course deal them out for, for a guy like Robert Quinn or Chauncey Gardner Johnson. It's, it's honestly, it's genius stuff. I mean, and and I also love the look. Look, I think I think the Jalen Rager pick was a pivotal pick for Roseman, and because I think Roseman twisted himself into a pretzel to make that pick, where he's like, "Well, we had the slowest offense in the NFL. We need speed. Jalen Rager has speed. Boom, done. We drafted him, and completely just missed the evaluation on Justin Jefferson." I feel like that that pick's gotten Roseman to admit some of his faults or his mistakes 
you know, like it, it does make sense. Like, why would I draft Traylon Burks with this pick when I can just trade for AJ Brown? Yeah, it's going to cost us money, but I know I'm good with the salary cap. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's my, that is arguably my biggest strength. So True. I know AJ Brown's good. If Traylon Burks hits his 99th percentile, then okay, they have A.J. Brown on a rookie deal and we don't. But what are the odds that Traylon Burks hits his first percentile? You know, like, right. Like, I I think that's just like, and and I think a lot of teams in the NFL are actually starting to realize that now. It wasn't that long ago where the NFL trade deadline, you didn't even realize it was happening. Yeah, true. Came and went like nothing. You, You never even notice it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Rager pick, like looking back on that too, I, I don't want to absolve them of making the pick, no, but no, man, like they're an analytically forward thinking team. There were every analytic department, you know, that wasn't an NFL team loved Rager, yeah. whether it was PFF or football, like his, his profile was really attractive to analytic heavy guys. Um, I think Eric eager over at PFF, you know, called him the number one receiver in the draft analytically, like his analytical yeah. profile made him. Obviously, not a lot of people agree with that necessarily, but the point is, is like the Eagles weren't the only one that thought that that, that guy um, was going to be something. Yeah. So, and one of the things about this Eagles team too is like you can see, like, and, and as analytically aligned as they are, I think they've done a good job bringing in a coach in Sirianni who really relates to the players, and it's clearly a strong clubhouse. And I think one of the things that if you got a Roseman a couple beers in him, he would say is like. <laughs> They didn't do the best job scouting the people they were drafting. Like yeah, right, Andre true. Andre Dillard. Now Dillard Dillard has become a quality NFL lineman. Like once, but like early in his career, he did not have really the mentality to succeed in the NFL. People thought he was a plug and play guy on the offense. I don't know what you thought of him coming out, Brett, but there were a lot of folks who thought Dillard was kind of a plug and play. You're getting a solid starter minimum day one. And he was not that. And like they hadn't, what I remember is they hadn't really met the player. Roseman just saw was like, Oh my God, our scouts love Andre Dillard. We didn't even visit with him, but he's falling. Let's go get him." You know? And, I think they misevaluated Wentz's mentals. Like they thought the kind of hard-headedness, strong-willedness would result in a strong competitive leader as opposed to someone who thinks his number 2 doesn't smell. <laughs> like and Ra- yeah. and Rager just Rager was a disaster from day 1 because he wasn't able to handle the success of Justin Jefferson. And the constant comparisons. And yeah, those are unfair to Reger. He didn't make the draft pick. But I feel like they've really started to, to go and say, we're going to draft players from big-time programs. Who, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis. Like now they've, they've really said, oh, these programs that are kind of NFL franchises, we're going to draft guys from, <laughs> from this team because we know they're going to have the makeup to play on this team. And they're going to have the makeup to – to play with a strong leader and Jalen Hurts and all that stuff. I right. I just think that's that's a fascinating aspect of Roseman's improvement that that doesn't get talked about a lot. For sure. And which it's a sound strategy with those top picks, those first and second round picks. Like you can afford as long as you're drafting high value positions, you can afford to be a little safer, you know? Yeah. Um Dillard for me, man, like his pass pro in college is incredible. But the problem with that is he literally never run blocked in college and he didn't take a ton of true pass sets because that offense was so quick game screen heavy 
It's like, yeah, he looks good in these reps, but he's only has to pass block for a, a second and a half, you know? Right. So, well, that's what made it hard to scout Cornelius Lucas, too. Not that it was, like, the exact same, but, like, you know, I thought it was interesting Seattle just to, to go because drafting – one of my big adages, and that, this is another thing that Howie Roseman has done. I don't care who you are. I don't care – if you've got Anthony Munoz, Walter Jones, and Dermani Dawson all on your offensive line, <laughs> you draft offensive linemen every year. Every one. single year. Every, you, you, if you don't think you need one, you do. You know, yep. like, and Roseman's done that. Um, but, like, uh, I, I just wanted to get – the point I was making was Cornelius Lucas and, and Charles Cross, though, I thought that was so funny that Seattle drafted those two guys who were both, like, never run-blocked in college. Um it, which makes scouting the line very difficult, in my opinion. Like, yeah, and you know, I think, they've you, think you mean Abraham Lucas, right? Oh, Abraham Lucas, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Cor- Cornelius Lucas is um old time lion player there. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he's still in the league somewhere. I don't, I don't remember where, but I believe he's still uh, in the league. Yeah, he is. Um, oh, he's with the Commanders. He's with the Commanders. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, cool. But there's, All there's, right, so, there's so much oh, value. Just real quick, there's so much value in the like in in what you said, Joe, and the fact that like. The Eagles are so good at just like throwing it at the wall when it comes to offensive linemen and and like quarterbacks too. That's how they got into the situation with Jalen Hurts is that they are willing to like just you know take a chance on a either like a late round quarterback, mid to late round quarterback every once in a while. They'll trade for Gardner Minshew. They'll you know draft an, draft a couple offensive linemen every year. Like just setting themselves up for success and the potential of finding a good player at a high value position is what they're so good at and why they continue to hang around. For sure. All right, Joe, before you go, I did want to ask you one, not as nice question about the Eagles. That is um, we've seen them now through what, six games and a constant theme that I'm seeing is they they're taking the foot off the gas in every single game they've played so far. And it's a little scary for Mm -hmm. me. I don't know if it's intentional or if teams are just figuring them out in the second half of games, but I don't know. Is that alarming to you at all? Because there's um, in Philadelphia, there is a, there's a great tweet that says there are only two moods of Philadelphia sports, cocky (laughs) and distraught. And, There's always, but even when the dial is turned to cocky, there's always just like a little bit of the distraught coming over. And that has been kind of, I think, the big talking point. And the question the question here is like, and Greg Cosell's discussed this as well on the Matchup Points podcast. And he always made the point, he's like, yes, they've allowed teams to come back into games. You know, they're the, I mean, Obviously, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL, but you guys mm-hmm. know they've had at least a lead of 14 points in every game this year. Right. So you're right. It's But Cosell's point that he made is like when they've had to run the ball at the end of the game to win it, they've done it. They've, they've managed to yeah. – but I completely agree with you. I would like to see just a little bit more – you know what? And maybe there is extenuating circumstances. Against Arizona – Vance Joseph was bringing the house on every play and their entire game plan was horizontal. I didn't love that game plan against Arizona, by the way. No, me neither. Like, I thought it was too much. I understand where it came from, but I thought it was too much. 
Um, <laughs> against Dallas, I don't think they just trusted Cooper Rush to be able to come back from a three-score deficit. Yeah. Um, I know they hadn't. But the thing is, is, like, I do agree. Like, I do agree. I would like to see, let's just say they're up 17-3 to against Pittsburgh at halftime this week, which is which is within the realm of possibilities against a rookie cornerback. Mm-hmm. Quarterback. I would love to see them just take a freaking shot down the field on the first and second series out of out of halftime. Like yeah. go for the throat, break our tendencies. You know, team teams have gotten back into it. I no, I agree with you guys. That would be my concern. And as somebody who where I've gone on Jalen Hurts, when he was a freshman at Alabama, I'm like, great story, great competitor, not an NFL quarterback. When he got benched for Tua, completely just reiterated that to me. And then he goes to Oklahoma, and I'm like, all right, there's something here. And then it comes mm-hmm. to the Eagles, and you're like, uh, what second round pick, man? And then, then as, as the year went on last year, oh, there might be something here. And now this year, I, I think he's been pretty good. But there is still a, an element of like, do they not fully trust him? And I would like to see them because you need to know. Like yeah. J- Jalen Hurts, like, right? That is the one thing about the Eagles; they need to know about Jalen Hurts. They need to know sooner rather than later. Last year, he did just enough to kick the can down the road. And this year, I think he's doing more than that. But in this second oh, yeah. half, you know, you self-scout over the bye. We've had these big leagues. What what can we do to make sure our fans' butts aren't clenched in the second half of all of these freaking <laughs> games? Like, you've got these big-time receivers, right? You've got three, three guys who are maybe top 25 at their position in 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 brown smith and goddard yeah yep let let the let those playmakers make plays as well i think that's a great point brett um and i think a lot of people would love to see them come out and come out and show hey Steelers, we're we're the boss like you're not coming in here and you're not going to get false hope in the second half i really think the only team well, well, Minnesota and Washington didn't really have anything going in the second half. Like, but, I mean, you yeah, know, like Minnesota came close a couple times. Washington did enough to I make mean, it look not like a slaughter. Yeah, like because I mean, I, I I said to my co-host, and I know I'm rambling babbling on here. When Wentz was sacked twice on the first possession of that Eagles Commanders game, I said Paul Kelly on. I said Paul, this game's over. Yeah, like oh, yeah. there is yeah. no way Wentz is coming back from getting sacked twice on the first series. Like, um, but that yep. was that was unique to Wentz. That wasn't unique to like the Eagles and like you know like True. Cooper Rush who has more poise than Wentz at this point. So no, I totally <laughs> agree with the, the point though. I want to see them come out and have a strong. I think that is what any Eagle fan would want. They said, "All right, you're six and zero. You're double digit favorites against Pittsburgh. What do you want?" We want a big third quarter. That's what Eagles fans will say. They want. I want them to bury a team, kind of like we saw the yeah. Bengals bury the Falcons this week. Like they were up twenty-one to zero, and Burrow was still dropping back, letting it freaking rip. Yeah. You know, like yeah. um, I, I just want to see them do that once. So, and I feel like so much of it. I mean, so much of it feels like pace. Like they just their. I think their pace goes down to like they're like first in the first half of games and like 31st in the second half of games. So like they just totally just shut it down, down into just shut it down into neutral and just kind of coast yeah. until, until like you said, like it always comes down to the fourth quarter where they do have to make a pivotal drive and they end up doing it because they have a great offensive line. You're glad you can do that. Right. But, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. That's a luxury that maybe, 
three to four NFL teams have to be able to just like, like close out a game when you need to. But like you said, maybe just once we see what it looks like to win by, you know, to win by 14 and have them never get get closer in a game, you know, let's get Gardner some reps in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. That's the thing is like when you have Jalen hurts and that, that there's the balance. And this is what coaching comes into when you have Jalen hurts, you do not, you don't want to be a 45 drop back team. Right. Sure. Like that, that's completely misallocating your resources. It would it be nice if you know he can do that if you need to. Sure. But like not when you're up 17, but there is again, you know, you, you miss a block here and then you get when you're in a run, a run grinding mode, you know, the chances you go three and out or you're behind the chains. I, I get it. Right. I would just like to see them be able to mix it up a little bit more in the second half, but I, 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 based on how well this team is coached and how well I think Sirianni and Shane Steichen are calling plays and game planning, I kind of feel like it's just a gut feeling that if they have that like ten point halftime lead over Pittsburgh, they're going to come out and they're going to try to they're going to try to put their feet on their throats. That's what I think this week. Awesome, I love it. I hope so too. Uh, I'm yeah. definitely going to be watching that game. This is kind of a. a bummer of a slate too so i'm i'm very much looking <laughs> forward to firing mean, just up. like last week's slate like what I the know. heck one yeah. what is it like one matchup of again of one, winning teams one thing i want to ask you guys now that i'm here like i saw i've seen the charts if you go by epa xfp ddoa <laughs> dmb whatever three letter like metric you want to talk about the quarterback play in the nfl right now is the worst it's been in a number of years. Do you guys have any, <laughs> any like theory on that? Like how many quarterbacks oh. are playing? Will you, will you right now say pound the table? This guy's playing well. And I'm thinking there's like five, four, there's four. Yeah. Yeah. Allen um, Mahomes, Mahomes hurts burrow. And, oh, Gino. I can't yeah, forget. Just, Gino. Yeah. Gino right. And like, there. and like, yeah. And Gino's one of them. It's like, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like, do you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? We've definitely talked about it. It's yeah. I think you're, you're in a big kind of weird changing of the guard type feel right now where there's been a lot of old blood retire or get old. like Rogers and Brady are ancient. They're not playing great. Um, you've recently seen big Ben and drew Brees and Matt Ryan fall off or retire. And so there's just a lot of young guys without a ton of experience playing right now. And then on top of that, there's a lot of, teams with weird situations like Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, and PJ Walker. Like what the frick do you expect? I did not expect PJ Walker to ball out the way he did the other day, but uh, I I didn't expect Baker to be the freaking downgrade. He was, I thought at worst, that was like a sideways move. Steve and I both thought it was a slam dunk for, for uh, comeback player of the year. Yeah, oh, I just and it's just which is terrible. so it's, it's so interesting to think about because you take what Baker Mayfield was this year, what he was when he first got drafted, and then you think about like Jacoby Brissett everywhere else except Cleveland. Is Kevin Stefanski secretly good at coaching quarterbacks, and nobody wants to talk about it because he fails in other aspects of yeah. that, like of doing that because that's, that's a really good point. Like I saw someone say that the other day and it like, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Like every, cause maybe it wasn't that Baker was good. Maybe Stefanski, 
But anyway, that's a rant for another day. Yeah, and I mean, no, no, Brissett's been pretty good outside of like the god awful turnovers. I mean, he's, he's had a couple good for Brissett. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's playing right. his best football. But Steve, do you remember uh, Case Keenum's year he had in Minnesota with the right. fancy call in the play? Right. I mean, that guy hasn't even made an appearance in the NFL since. I mean. You know? uh, he appeared in a game with Cleveland, and I remember that Cleveland fans were like, "All right, here we go. This guy led the this guy led the Vikings, and then he I, probably promptly got sacked, fumbled, and then threw another threw an interception, and then and that belief went out the window. But it's like yeah. it is. It's crazy to think about that. I like it's this thing where I think that the Browns have had so many other issues, whether it's Stefanski not running Nick Chubb enough, whether it's you know, this or that with the Browns. Like, that's one thing that has stayed pretty constant is that Stefanski gets value out of guys that have little to no value in most other places. Yeah. That brings me to another question, but guys, and I know I'm, uh, but like, I want to, I want to tr- bounce a take off of you. You might've seen me tweet this when I was like tilting for fans. It, Cause I, I work from fantasy brain. Right. Um, right. But like, you, like two weeks ago when, Packers beat writers are saying AJ Dillon looks like he's running in cement. And then I look at the box score and he's got more carries than Aaron Jones. And like you just mentioned with the Nick Chubb thing. Oh, oh, we got Kareem Hunt. We got to get him involved. Do you guys think coaches sometimes outsmart themselves with running back rotations? Oh my gosh. hundred percent. hundred percent. Steve and I have talked about that exact comparison to the Jones Dillon thing, but you talk to any running back, any former running back or any O-line guy, like running backs need rhythm just like a quarterback does. Now, it doesn't mean every good running back needs 30 carries, but man, like let's stop with the 50-50 splits, especially when the talent discrepancy is enormous. Like, it right. is like, like Jones is so much better of a player than Dylan. It's wild mm-hmm. to me that he doesn't get more than 50% of the looks there right now. It's It looks, although this past week, it does seem like they kind of started to shift, didn't they? Oh yeah, I think yeah. I called it a quiet benching of Dylan. I think it was yeah, like seventy thirty, which, by the way, is fine. So we can work with seventy thirty. Exactly. Right, you know, right. like, exactly. and there are some teams that, like, there are some, and I think some backs who are uniquely talented where you can handle the fifty fifty. Um, but man, when I see three backs working in on a bad football team, I'm like, how is this team supposed to get in any sort of rhythm? <laughs> because if you're a bad football team, it likely means you have bad quarterback play. So you need to run the ball better to kind of isolate that. Like, I, like I'm thinking of Denver where, you know, Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, and Melvin Gordon are working in when you've got bad quarterback play. I just don't understand how that's supposed to work for an offense. It, I mean, it barely works on a good team. We've seen the Patriots do it when they had Blunt and White and 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 guys mixed in there. But even on good teams, a three-man rotation is hard to sustain. Yeah, the key teams that do it well, it's usually because each guy has a very specific role. His role isn't X amount of number of snaps. It's, hey, on these situations, we're using you. That's why the Patriots one worked that you mentioned. With the Packers, it doesn't seem like they know, like they're both just playing snaps. Like they're not changing what they're doing for Dylan or for Jones. And it's, it really just isn't working. I mean, Dylan is, is looked honestly terrible. So, which I mean, I I predicted. Well, and I also feel like Dylan. He's like three runs of over 15 yards. Like he literally only gets between two and 10 yards. And I really feel like Dylan is the kind of guy 
Do you guys remember Derrick Henry early in his career? Like, yeah. when he was rotating with DeMarco Murray? And I was like, I remember there was a game the Eagles played the Titans, and I literally remember saying to myself, every time they give the ball to Derrick Henry, it's a wasted touch. And, like, they'd give it to Derrick Henry, and he'd plow forward for two yards, and then they'd put Murray in the game because they had to throw the ball. Like, I also wonder if Dylan might just be one of those guys who, man, if he is not your lead back, he's unusable. Yeah, the, I think that's for sure true. The other thing with him that's different than Henry, I know they get the comp because they're similar in size, but yeah. Dylan needs runway to get moving. Where Henry's yeah. got a little bit more burst for his size. Yeah. But Dylan really, he, I mean, the way Boston College used him, there'd be snaps he was 11 yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> like, he actually needs a, a legitimate <laughs> runway to take off. It's it's kind of scary. So, in that Green Bay offensive line, they, they've been okay pass protecting, but the interior of that line has not been good in the run game this year. And I, if Dylan gets hit anywhere near the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a bad play. He, do, he doesn't have the the burst or the agility to, to make guys miss like that. So, yeah, he doesn't force missed tackles. He's a pretty, yeah, like a pretty North South runner. You're not looking at him, you know, planting his foot in the ground and getting outside and beating anyone around the edge. It's like, they, they literally just, it's, it's pounding him into the back of, lineman in a way right. but like i think there's merit to what you said joe of like aj dylan might be one of those guys where it's like you got to give him 25 carries because he is the guy where he hasn't come alive in the first half he's just there to kind of beat people down in the first half it's the second half where you know the old like oh you wore him down now you're like now that you're starting to pick up yardage he gets uh you know he gets better as the game goes along while everyone gets tired like Mm-hmm. that feels like A.J. Dillon might be in that. He might not, but still, like, you'll never know because why would you ever give him 25 carries in a game? Yeah, yep. it's just – anyway, that was just something I, I've been thinking of uh, quite a bit here. And I, I wonder with with this, like, with this, like, kind of crap quarterback play around the NFL, if this were to continue, and frankly, God, I hope it does not. We need one of these. We need one of these young guys to like actually come up, and we need Lawrence or Fields or Wilson to come out and say, "Hey, guys, yeah, I was playing like crap, and we, God, do we need that badly?" Um, but it's just something that I wonder if, like, maybe there's a little, little bit of a shift change back because if with if teams can't trust their quarterbacks, and it's right. not just the, the lack of guys who are playing well. It's the number of guys who are playing like crap out there that's really alarming. You yep. know, like, yeah. Wilson is hard to watch. It, <laughs> you know, Lawrence has had like two good games. It, it's Mariota's thrown 13 passes in a game they trailed by 31, 21 points 15 minutes into the game. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's just kind of an overarching thought that probably needs a lot more time to talk about than just the 30 minutes. For sure. Well, Joe, we we did tell you thirty minutes. It's been thirty eight, so I think it 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 would be uh you know doing you a good favor to let you go at this point. So I, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You guys rule. I just love chopping it up with people who are smarter than me. This makes me sound <laughs> smarter. So no, guys, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I'll I'll be back soon. I hope. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Oh, all right. Farewell to Joe. Man, Joe is awesome. Uh, one of the guys you just you love to work every day because he's part of the team, you know? Oh, yeah. And he's like he's one of those guys where you do want to just like chop it up and talk football yeah. with him because he's he's so he's just has so much energy and just loves it. And you can tell 
Yep. That's what's that's that's when you know it's good is when like you can really see and hear the passion behind someone's voice and that's what he definitely has that and that's why it's so much fun to talk to him about all this. That's how like a lot of our company meetings go. Like when when we get you know all the all the the guys in in the same room together, it's just like we just const- we just get off track because we're just talking ball the whole right, time. And, right. Um, but anyways, let's uh let's wrap this up with. A, a brief discussion about trade deadline. So trade deadline's approaching. Is it, it's Tuesday, right? Tuesday, four uh, p.m. November second, which is I. So Wednesday, four p.m. Is it? Yeah. Is it? I think because well, Halloween's on Monday, which is the thirty first. Yeah. So Tuesday would be the first. Wednesday would be the second. All right. Cool. Yeah. Second at four p.m. So instead of kind of addressing a ton of the rumors, um, I would like to spend time maybe talking about trades you want to see happen trades i want to see happen um obviously we'll probably use a lot of the same guys that are being rumored because we're just not going to randomly manufacture a trade in our head but um it is tuesday at 4 p.m yeah tuesday at 4 p.m you're right okay cool it's tuesday 4 p.m so so perfect then because we're not going to be recording another pod between now and then so might as well get this conversation out of the way so real quickly i'll throw out the first one um given that we're both you know detroit folk here i would the Detroit Lions trade TJ Hawkinson. Oh, the- you're on the you are you're on the trade him away train. I'm on the trade him away train. Okay. Trade TJ Hawkinson to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think based on things I've read, you could get a first or second round pick back for him. And that's a huge win to me. That'd be massive. And I like honestly it would make sense in like from the standpoint of you're still you're still in a rebuild. You have to pay him next year, I believe, right? Yep. You have to pay him next year. Um, he's been up and down in his in his career. He'll have an explosion game. He'll disappear for a while, and then they also have had Brock Wright, who's been way more involved in the offense. Who is T.J. Hawkinson, who kind of has a little bit more yak opportunity because he doesn't fall down when he catches the ball. <laughs> He's also a, a better blocker, Brock Wright. Yeah, so like honestly, that it makes a ton of sense. I had just because I like Hawkinson, I had always been on the like retain him if we have a good player, retain him. But if they could get if they could get a first or a second round pick, especially if it was a team like the if it's a team that's in limbo where it's like eh, their season could go either way, I think like there's mm-hmm. that'd be it'd be such a smart play. Well, I think with the Bucks specifically, like. They've been bad. They lost last night to Baltimore. They're three and five, but they're still in the mix for that division because that division is terrible. So right, yes, add talent. I don't. Brady's not the kind of guy who's going to mail in the season. He's no, going to want to no. go out with a bang. They've already basically pushed all the chips to the middle. So I am a hundred percent fill that void. They have a huge void there. Huge. No Gronk. Brates hurt. Kate Otten could probably be good someday, but that day is not today. So. Go get Hawkinson. Get Tom another red zone weapon. For the Lions, too, it, Hawkinson's just been too inconsistent. Now, some of that is playing in Detroit. Like, let's face it, when you're on a bad team for most of your career, inconsistencies come naturally because your team sucks. Um, quarterback play hasn't been great since he's been – even Stafford's last few years there, he was hurt and dinged up, and it just – And just man, having, I, having times where he's the number one receiving option, which, yep. like – not what he i mean he can be but not on a regular basis and not like mm-hmm. he should not be the key of a defense if that's the point then it's gonna be game, 
game plan specific number right. one option. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll throw another one out just because it's tied to the Bucks as well, and then you can throw a couple out. Um, Isaiah Wynn, Patriots offensive tackle slash. Yep. I think he could play on the interior. Yeah. I would also like to see him trade to the Bucks. Probably cost a fourth or fifth round pick. They they clearly want a fresh start with him. I don't think it's working out. He's for whatever reason in the doghouse there with with Maddie P and Bill B. Send him to the Bucks. The Bucks desperately need uh, interior O line help. Luke Godkey has been really really bad at the left guard spot, which is yep. the one area we were really concerned about. Maybe Win can play there, even if he can't play left guard. If they determine it's he's never played interior O line since you know early college days, great. They still need depth because they are one injury away from that whole thing falling apart. So right. um, I, I think that would be a very wise trade for them. Get some Worfs insurance, get some uh, Donovan Smith insurance, and then hopefully in best case scenario, he can end, he can actually take one of those starting spots on the interior. Right. What do you think of that? I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, I think the Buccaneers offensive line is teetering on like disaster. Like they're really towing the line and any insurance against that is valuable. And especially a guy like Isaiah Wynn, who, you know, he's not the best. He's not, you know, incredible, but he's consistent. He's, you know, I think he started like 39 of his last 39 of the last 40 games. You know, he's just a consistent guy. And that's, I mean, that's what the bucks need is consistency. Mm -hmm. They need someone that can be there down in, down out. Someone who's not a rookie, honestly. Right. Someone who's not a rookie. <laughs> someone who, yeah, someone who can just kind of, so you can plug and play, step in and do that. Um, One of the ones that I think that I want to see, and I, everybody, I think everybody wants to see it in some way, shape or form, but I'd like to see the Bills just go and get like a Kareem Hunt or even like the rumors of uh, Kamara. Just in, just like a, if they can get like a, if they can flip a low pick, low end pick for a, for like a cream hunt, I think cream hunt could fit into that offense really well. I missed the team somehow. The bills bills. Oh, I think the bills, the bills going to grab cream hunt at like a disc. If they can get them at a, like a low price. I think I like, I like that just because I think that cream hunts better than Singletary and just adds a little bit more pop to their run game that they just don't have from running backs yeah. and they haven't had for three years and has come up and been issue an issue at times is not having a guy that they can trust to tilt the rock. Yeah. And I think that, you know, going from a Zach Moss, Devin Singletary to like a Kareem hunt, Devin Singletary. I think that's a, yeah. big, I think that's a big upgrade and kind of changes the trajectory of their team because it allows them to, it allows them to run the ball without having to sacrifice Josh Allen as much. For sure, which is going to be crucial down the stretch. I, I actually like that. I like either Kareem Hunt or Kamara there. I probably lean Kamara a little bit because his ability in the receiving game. I know Hunt's also good in the receiving game, but Kamara can legitimately move out and play wide receiver yeah. in the slot. And we just know the Bills love doing stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, player wise, Kamara would be my top choice. Price wise, I think that I'd agreed. lean Kareem Hunt because I think you can get Kareem Hunt for 
yeah, I think you can get him a lot cheaper than you can a Camara. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, and we're not sure the Saints even are ready to move on from Camara. No, either. no. The, again, yeah. these are one one day we'll be plugged in enough to really really have that. But right now, right, we don't. Right now, it is just kind of going off of rumors and what you what you've seen, what you've heard consistently over the last few weeks. For sure. Um, throw another one out there. Um, I. I'd love to see Jabril Peppers moved. Oh, wow. I was not expecting that one. I, yeah, like, I think it's the Patriots defense has played really well. And I don't even think that it's necessarily that Jabril, it's because Jabril Peppers isn't good. I think it's because they're getting so much value out of guys like Kyle Duggar and, and uh, Phillips uh, that, Peppers doesn't really see the field. He comes in on dime packages, usually third down and third down and five plus is when you'll see Peppers hit the field for New England. They'll go to a dime package where they'll play Mac Wilson in the middle and Jabril Peppers will play in the box. I think I like Jabril Peppers and I think that he still has value as a, as kind of like a hybrid box safety who can, you know, who can fit up against the run as well as, as well as you know, hop in and you know, guard up against a tight end if he needs to. Sure, I, I like Jabril in New England is my only problem. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like even when he was coming out in the draft, Steve, I thought New England was his best he's landing a, spot. He's a New England guy. Yeah, Bill. Bill would just know how to use him. The overlap between him and Duger is really similar. Now, granted. Right. So do they actually need him? Like you said, probably not. He's not really playing, but right. there's probably not a better system for him. No, I don't that, think so. And that's where yeah. I'm trying to, I like, he's, it's just a guy I want to see on the field more. I'm trying to like fit yeah. him to a team and it's, yeah. I mean, like he could, he probably could honestly work in Jacksonville, but they're not going to move for him. Yeah. I think That's that he, he could fit in with Jacksonville. It's hard. It, the funny thing is, it's hard to find. Usually at the deadline, you have clear definition of who are buyers and who are sellers. And I think this year, there's so much uh, ambiguity to that. Yeah. That there has been in previous years because there is so much of that just muck in the middle of two and five, three and four, four and three teams. So many three and four teams. It's like, it's Weird. just this. M- Mish, mishmash of teams that could go uh, in either direction, which is why it's fun because, you know, that's why the deadline I think will be more active than it has in previous years. Like between, between like teams kind of figuring out where they value veteran players compared to draft picks. I think that we're getting more clarity on that every year between that and just like that ambiguity of, you know, which teams think that they're ready, which teams are trying to take the next step, which teams are trying to take a step back. I think that we don't really know that. And so you, I think you will get some kind of surprise pieces moving. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it could be a wild one. Um, yeah, I have two more, like I actually have a bunch more, but I got two more that I really want to see happen. All right. Both are, both are wide receivers. Shoot. We'll just call it three. I have three more, all wide receivers. Um, the first one is a little cliche. A lot of people have been talking about this one for a while. And that's 
Houston Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Green Bay Packers. I need to see this happen. This should have happened, Steve, in June. Yeah. It should have happened again in July. Yeah. It should have happened again in August. And the second they broke training camp and realized their wide receiver room was freaking terrible, it should have happened again then. They, I, I don't know why the Packers have not made this happen yet, but it's been rumored out there for six months now, and it needs to happen. And Brandon Cooks would fit in that system, fit with Rodgers, fit in that system so well. You know what I like? do not want them to do? What's that? Is make the mistake and go get Claypool. I I have Claypool on this list that we're talking about, but I do not want him with the Packers. That's what I mean. The yeah. Packers specifically, I do not want to see Claypool. I do not think that Claypool runs structured enough to fit with Aaron Rodgers. Like he legitimately, I don't yeah. think would fit with Rodgers at all. Because like, think about all the ways that the only ways Claypool gets the ball is through like structured touches, seemingly. Yeah. And so like, I don't, I just don't think that he. I don't think he has the the route running discipline right to fit with Rodgers. So like I I, I agree with that. Like and Cooks is the Cooks is the answer for that. Co- yeah, the the reason Cooks is is perfect is cuz he's he's an established guy. He's a veteran, he's an a route technician. He's one of the most underrated receivers in the league. He oh, has yeah. over 1000 yards with four different teams, by the yeah. way. Um that doesn't happen very often. He can do literally everything. He can be involved in your screen game. He can be your deep threat, your intermediate guy. Like, there's not anything Cooks doesn't do. Right. He does every single every single aspect of wide receiver. He plays pretty well. So I think it, he would immediately establish rapport with, with Rodgers. It'd be the best quarterback he's played with in a long time, too. Yeah. Um, so so I – Drew Brees? Probably Brady. Brady. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Brady was after Brees. Uh, but man, I I think it, that'd be a slam dunk, and I don't think it would cost much, Steve. I think it'd be a fourth fourth round pick, maybe to save a fourth round pick to salvage the last couple years of Aaron Rodgers' career is way worth it to me. So, especially when like he immediately elevates the development of a Romeo Dobbs and uh, Christian, Christian Watson, Watson yep. like he did, like the value that he immediately brings the moment he lands in Green Bay is crazy. And it's yep. like, it's so bad. It'd be so beneficial. Cause like you said, yep. he is, he, he has played with like, like we said, he's played with breeze and Brady. So like he understands and like can work within a very structured, like I need you here at this time and the ball will be here at this time. Ready go. Like Brandon cooks has operated in those offenses. So like he, has he's no stranger to like a scheme like that, a quarterback like that. It, it's a it's a plug and play that I don't like. You said I don't think there'd be really any, um, any ramp up period. Right. Next. One. Um, Chase Claypool. This is another another receiver here. Yep. The I want to see him, and I don't think I've even seen this rumored yet. But with the Chargers. Interesting. I want this guy. So the Chargers love guys who can play inside and out. Yeah. And they desperately need an explosive element that's not Mike Williams to this offense. Like really, really badly. Um, Palmer's dinged up. Especially now that Mike Williams is out for at least four weeks, right? Yeah. Williams is out. Palmer's dinged up. Allen's dinged up. Like 
this is a move that could really help them. Now, I don't trust Lombardi to use him correctly, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, Clay, Claypool also does really well on some of the scheme touches, as you mentioned. Yeah. Some of, those, some of that screen game, the jet sweep. Right, like, right. He can give you something there, and he's a legit downfield weapon that Herbert like really, really needs. And I, I would love to see Herbert throwing deep balls to this guy because he is a monster when he's down the field. He hasn't gotten deep targets in years because he's been playing with Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> Kenny Pickett, and Mitch Trubisky. You know, yeah, so. he's been playing. He's been playing with noodle arms, so it's hard to yeah. hard to get deep targets. Yeah, I um, I don't, I, I don't hate that. I just, yeah, Claypool. It's it is interesting because you do. I feel like you do have to scheme him touches a little bit. So it'd be interesting to mm. see what. If if and where he goes, if a coaching staff is ready and able to like kind of take that on, but like you said, the Chargers would be the perfect one. Keenan Allen's been in flux. Mike Williams is out for four weeks. Like they're desolate at wide receiver, and what a better way to get a guy acclimated than than have him immediately step in, be the number one or number two for a couple weeks, and get him like right into the offense. But that is something where like Joe Lombardi's the Joe Lombardi's more the concern there than anybody else. Yep. Um, all right. Do you want to throw the last one out? I thought, you had a th- I, thought you th- I, I thought you had a third wide receiver I, one. I did, Steve, but I didn't want to hog the spotlight here. You know what I mean? Like, No, no. Well, keep going. This is it's all right. good. All right. I want to see Jerry Judy traded yes. to the New York Giants. Yes. Judy with Wondell Robinson and then whatever tall guy they trot out, whether it's Slayton or <laughs> – you know, whoever, whoever I, I think Judy in this offense could be insane. He, my comp for him coming out was Stefan Diggs and guess what receiver Brian Dable had a ton of success with in Buffalo, Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs. Yep. Let's get this cracking. Um, I would absolutely love to see it. I think he'd be used appropriately in New York. I would have no doubts about the way Dable would be able to get this guy back to being the elite prospect that he was. Um, it would probably be a little expensive. I don't know that the Broncos would sell for less than a second at this point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a third and a fifth or something like that. But um, I think it'd be worth it. And the six and one Giants team could get a heck of a lot better by adding a guy like Jerry Judy to the team. Absolutely. I mean, right now, Daniel Jones has been sitting with about a five and a half, eight. Uh, he like, they, they, if you look at everything, like it's short throws, it's short, quick schemed throws. And they don't really have a lot of good. They don't have really any good receivers. And Jerry Judy is a guy that at least gives you kind of a, a little bit of a breakout play potential with some of those shorter throws, with some of those like quicker schemes. You're, you're able to get kind of work him in space and use his speed a little bit. Yep, exactly. Um, Man, I like I actually get excited thinking about that one. Just cuz Dable is such a good offensive mind, like I would love to see like Judy's separation ability is so top-notch too. So, yeah, man, I would and, love it. And like and if you can get it uh, if you can get him for a third and change, like the Giants are in a fun position where they are not in win now mode, but they're winning now. Yeah. But they're all, but they also can kick it down the road a little bit. Like they have so much with where they're at right now. They have so much flexibility on what they can be. And like Judy, 
is a per like is a perfect buy because there is more there is more like longevity and youth and like you can have them yep. around for a while. It's not just like a you know a deadline you know a dead post deadline push guy. Yep, for sure. the The hidden thing too that I love here is as we've talked about dropping a quarterback into a situation with a good O line, good receivers is the meta. That's the most effective tactical advantage possible. Yeah. So if the giants decide to move on from Daniel Jones and perhaps go with a rookie next year, uh, he's going to be in a decent situation. If he's got the old, like Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal yep. bookend tackles who are both playing pretty well. Um, Neil, not so much when he's hurt right now or he's hurt for the year now. Right. Yeah. I hope, yeah. He'll be back next year, but Thomas is playing like the best tackle in football. And then he's also got, you know, some decent weapons to throw to with Saquon Barkley back there. Like, it just makes that environment so much more hospitable for wh- whoever is playing quarterback there next year, whether it's Daniel Jones or if they decide to move on from him. Yeah. That's the underrated value there to me. It is, I think it is still a team-building move. It's not a win-now move. Right. So, um, uh, last one. time for one more, yeah. I'd like sure. to see – I'd like to see Roquan Smith. I Honestly, I think it – they would never do it, but it'd be fun to see him in Washington behind that defensive line. I, yeah, I love that. I mean, like, they've I think, been. I think that they like they've been they've they're they've never had a good linebacker because they haven't he, need really needed a good linebacker because when you have a good defensive line, you can kind of afford to short yourself at linebacker. Yes, but I think that for a team that. Again, they're another team that's like in this weird kind of period where they did just make a trade for Carson Wentz that was kind of a future-ish move. Like they valued him and thought that he was going to help them help them win games. And so I think that like on their defense, adding Roquan Smith, keeping that defensive line intact. I know that Deron Payne has been kind of rumored to be available, but if they keep that defensive line together and if they brought in Roquan Smith, who I think like he, he obviously wants a new, he obviously wants a new contract, but I think you could get him at a reasonable price. And I think that he would, he would immediately bring a quite a bit of value to that Washington defense, having a lot more freedom and operating similarly to how he operated when he was like, when he first came into the league and he was playing behind a better bears defensive line. And he really was moving around and, making a lot making a ton of plays as a young as like in his first like year or two yeah for sure and i don't you know i don't put a ton of value in the off-ball linebacker spot but and there's not i i i'm honestly yeah. I agree so so it would be cost dependent for me to sign off on that and to also be completely fair especially to if there's any washington listeners out there i haven't studied jamin davis and cole holcomb enough to know if those guys are it, I know Jamin Davis was what a first round pick yeah, two years ago. And he, yeah, two years ago. So, so I doubt they yeah, and he's more their will linebacker. Holcomb's the Mike, and Holcomb was a fifth round pick. I have no idea if those guys have been, you know, very good or not. So um, I'd have to probably study up on them before I made a final decision there. Yeah, but right. I, I would love to see Roquan behind that level of D line, though. That is that much is for sure true. Right. I think that could be massive for him yeah that's what and then that's like the old really the only time where i feel like an off off the ball linebacker is valuable is if you have a good defensive line otherwise or if he can lock up a, a premium tight end in, right in right. coverage yeah right but 
Well, sweet man, that's that's awesome. I'm looking forward to reviewing trade deadline on Wednesday because we can review this really really crappy slate of games. Yep. As well as what happened at the trade deadline. Yep. On Wednesday. Well, so hopefully we'll have hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity into what direction some teams are going. Yep. Oh man! All right, let's get out of here. Uh, thanks again to Joe Dolan for joining the pod. Um, this was good. This was good, and I will. I'll talk to you this weekend, Steve, because we have to work together. Yes, sir. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am the host, but I feel for my co-host Stephen O'Rourke. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.